In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, but I find that sometimes there is nothing more frustrating than being lied to. You know what I mean, right? Um, Sometimes, at least when I think when it comes to the important things, we we just want to hear the truth. And there's nothing more frustrating than than being lied to and and to know that you're being lied to and, and to know that they know that they're lying to you and to know that they know that you know that they're lying to you. there's nothing more frustrating than maybe going to the doctor and you're getting ready to be stuck with the needle and to have whoever it is that's sticking you say, oh, it won't hurt too much. And and you know full well it's going to hurt, right? I would rather just know, tell me how it's going to feel. Or there's nothing more frustrating than the salesperson who is trying to sell you and, and they're telling you that you are getting the deal of a lifetime, a deal that has been offered to no one else. They've had to check with their manager and they can't believe that that he's saying yes and, and yet here it is for you. It's your lucky day. Just tell me how much it's going to cost and then I can think about it. There's nothing more frustrating than being lied to and, and, and yet there's nothing also maybe more freeing than living in the truth. And the truth isn't always easy to hear uh, but, but it is what's best for us. That's what, what the Bible gives to us from start to finish, the truth. Uh, that's what I love about it. That's what I've come to find in it more and more as I experience the world and then I read the Bible and I think to myself, yes, this is true. Uh, the Bible doesn't always tell us what we want to hear. It doesn't massage our egos. It doesn't build us up with a false sense of, of bravado, but it also doesn't sugarcoat or whitewash things. It, it just speaks the truth. And again, that's not always easy, but it is what we need. And, and today we read, we read about one of those difficult but hard truths that the Bible speaks to us. Today we're reminded in our reading from from Romans chapter 5 that in this world that we live in, that all of us experience, there is suffering. Now we know that's true in our minds, right? We've all experienced that. That's not a shock to anyone. And yet it might not be what we go to the Bible to hear, right? We would love for God to say that waiting just around the corner, uh, all of our wildest dreams will come true. Or if if we just are faithful enough or or pray enough that God will give us the car or the job or the the girl that that we have wanted, that all of our, our suffering will be made right in the here and now. That's what we might want to hear from God, but instead we we open up God's word in passages like today and we hear that there will be suffering. Now now that reality, that that truth that God speaks to us, that could be a whole sermon, a whole series of sermons all in itself as, as we contemplate what it means to be a suffering Christian in this world trusting in a good and gracious God. Uh, we could have a whole series on why God would allow that suffering. But today I want to focus on something a little different, on something that we heard Paul say, a, a command from the Lord even, and yet also an encouragement, that, that we are to, to glory in our sufferings. That's what we heard in verse 3. We also glory in our sufferings. Other translations put it this way, that we are to rejoice in our sufferings. And we even have passages in other parts of the Bible, like the book of James, that say that we are to count it all pure joy when we suffer trials of various kinds. Rejoice, pure joy, glory in our sufferings. That means when the loved one dies, when the cancer comes, when the job is lost, when the bills pile up, when the kids leave us with nothing but questions, when we're sad and when we're lonely, rejoice, count it, pure joy, glory in your sufferings. Now that's a head scratcher, isn't it? (laughs) 
Maybe you're here today and, and you're wondering, how is that possible? How can I rejoice when things are bad? How, how can I count it pure joy in the midst of my deepest hurts and pains? Or maybe you're here today and, and you're just thinking to yourself, no, this is impossible. <laughs> you're not wondering. You are sure that, that there's no good reason, no human way possible to rejoice in our sufferings. And if you're in one of those two camps, know that you're in good company. I think all of us are are thinking about that this morning in light of these words. And, uh, uh, and yet, God says through Paul that we are to rejoice. So that means it must be possible. And, and that's what I'd like to talk with you all about today. Now, before we get any further, I do want to say that, that God also in his word validates our feelings of sadness, fear, confusion. Uh, he cries right alongside of us. His heart is broken when our hearts are broken. I mean, just read the Psalms, right? They are full of these laments and cries to the Lord. And, and we know that God hears those cries and he sees our tears. The Bible is sending this message over and over again that it's okay to not be okay. And, and yet, he also says today that, that it is possible, it must be, because he tells us to, to glory, rejoice, find pure joy in the midst of our hurt. In our pains. And so that's what I'd like to talk about. And the way I'd like to kind of tackle it with you this morning is to talk about three obstacles to rejoicing in the midst of our sufferings. Three reasons for why we find it awfully hard, maybe even impossible, to rejoice when we are sad. And so maybe uh, we'll, we'll just get right to it uh, this morning. The, the first obstacle that I think we can find, or that we do find, to rejoicing or finding joy in the midst of our hurts is that very often our suffering seems meaningless. Uh, very often we view our hurts and our pains as merely an obstacle that we need to find a way around or, or a hurdle that we got to climb over as quickly as possible <laughs> or, or maybe as a problem that we need to, to put our minds together and our hands together and solve. We, we view our suffering as just some muck that we need to slog through, put our head down, close your eyes and just just get through it. We fail to see any sort of greater purpose or significance in, in, in our suffering. Oh, but brothers and sisters, remember that we have a Savior who suffered. You remember that, don't you? <laughs> and, the, and the suffering of Jesus, I, I think, shows us a couple things in this regard. First, it shows us that it is possible to, to have a suffering, a pain, and a hurt with, with purpose and significance, right? Because Jesus himself did not die a meaningless purposeless, insignificant death. Not at all. His death brought, uh, brought about the forgiveness of sins and, and life everlasting. And the suffering of Jesus shows us that the same can be true for us. If it was true for Jesus, then we too can suffer with a, a greater purpose, a greater meaning, with, with significance. And yet what, what the suffering of Jesus also shows us is, actually what I should say what it gives to us is, is that the suffering of Jesus on the cross redeems our suffering. Uh, the suffering of Jesus infuses, injects our suffering with divine, eternal significance and purpose. Now some of you, I, I can tell by the looks in your face, are still trying to process how can my suffering have meaning? How can I rejoice in my suffering? But, but we know this is true experientially, actually. Uh, we actually have a little phrase for it in, in our modern vernacular. We say, no pain, no gain, right? We recognize that there is some good that can come from hurt. And, and it's this way with a lot of things, right? With exercise. Now, very few people just love 
the pain of exercise. But, but it's important. Some, some days it's the only reason why we wake up early and go to the gym, lace our shoes or get on the bike, whatever it is you do, take a walk around the block. It, it hurts. It's not exactly fun. And yet you do it if you do it because you know that, that there's some greater meaning to it, that it brings about health and, and longevity. Uh, it's this way probably for some of you in your careers. You, you probably worked hard at one point. You, you spent late night nights at work or you studied hard for a test or an exam or a certification and you poured yourself into that knowing that it would lead to something greater, uh, a, a promotion or, or the job of your dreams. It was hard at the time and, and yet you, you knew that it had a purpose. It, it was significant. Uh, parents, uh, I would guess that you have experienced this. I'm not a parent but I, I've talked to enough parents to know that there's a lot of suffering involved. <laughs> It's not always sunshine and roses. There's a, a loss of a lot of things. Maybe the loss of money. It's not cheap to raise a kid, I'm, I'm sure. A loss of maybe some of your own dreams and wants and desires, things you wanted to do or places you wanted to see that got pushed off to the side for a while or maybe just taken off of the table. There was late nights. Uh, there was puke and poop to clean up, right? This is a messy calling you have been to. And and, and yet, almost every parent, every parent I've talked to actually says, yeah, there's suffering, there's pain involved, but it's worth it. <laughs> they see the greater significance to those moments of struggle. You see, God is using your suffering for a divine, holy purpose. He's molding you and shaping you through your, your moments of, of hurt and pain into the person he needs you to be. Our, our moments of trials and, and temptations and sufferings, they are like a refining fire that, are, that, that is purifying us. The truth is you can't be the child that God needs you and wants you to be unless you are molded and shaped by the present sufferings of this world. In our reading for today, he, he tells us straight out that our, our sufferings bring about perseverance and perseverance, character and, and character, hope that, that at the end of our sufferings, we can look forward and, and trust, come to a greater belief that God will always be with us, he'll never abandon us or forsake us. God is using our sufferings to shape you and mold you, but he's also using them so that you can be a blessing to others. I know many of you have experienced this just from talking with you. Many of you have lost people you love and death is always bad. We don't call it good. It is, is the wages of, of sin and it's hard and you've hurt from that. And, and yet I know from talking to you that, that God has used that experience so that you could be a blessing to others so that when maybe a friend or a coworker or a, or a neighbor loses someone they love, you can walk alongside of them and comfort them with the comfort you received. God infuses our present sufferings in this world with divine significance, eternal purpose. And so we rejoice. Uh, th there is a, a second stumbling block. I mentioned there are three. The second one is this, that, that very often we, we fail to rejoice or to glory in our sufferings because they seem endless, right? You, you know what I mean, right? You, you, you overcome a, a sickness, you just get over a cold, and then you get the flu, <laughs> Um, you, you lose your job and then the bills pile up. You, you finally get over or start to, to, to grapple with the death of someone you love and, and then you get cancer. I mean, it, it's like one after another after another and, and that it's hard to rejoice when, when your pain seems like some never-ending string, a line of events, like a, like, a, like a set of dominoes that just keep falling one after another after another. It's hard to rejoice when it's like that. Our suffering seems endless. Uh, most of you members here 
uh, know that I love to run. Uh, I will run anytime, anywhere. Uh, I don't just like it, I love it. And yet there is somewhere that I refuse to run. Uh, and, and that's in a gym on a treadmill. I just cannot do it. You could not pay me enough to get me on a treadmill. And I think, I've, I've thought about this before, because that's how I am. Why do I not like this so much? I think the reason is because there's no, there's no goal. There's no finish line. There's no end point, right? Uh, I mean, I love running, but I still need to know that it's not going to last forever. I, I got to be able to see the finish line and, and, and to work towards it. And, and you see what what God has done in sending his son Jesus into the world is he has lifted us up off the treadmill of suffering and, and he set us down and he's, he's put a finish line to our suffering. He's given us these glasses that allow us to look into the future to see the, the end to all the pain and the hurt. What, what God's promise is is that one day he will return to raise the living and the dead as we heard in the creed to, to usher in a kingdom that will have no end. One day we will live with Jesus with no more hurt, no more pain, no more sin, no more death and when we're glorying in that eternity, we'll be able to look back with a new perspective to see that, that those moments of suffering were but a, a momentary blip in the scale and the weight of eternity. So God has put an end to our suffering. He's given it a finish line, and so we rejoice. Uh, there is one more obstacle, the, the final one I'd like to talk about today, and, and that is that very often, often we suffer alone. We, fear, we feel very lonely in the midst of our hurt and our pain, not because we're literally or physically alone. Uh, very often our deepest moments of hurt come even when we're surrounded by plenty of, of people. What I mean is that we feel alone. We feel lonely as we, we suffer. We think that no one gets us, no one understands us, no one's, no one's been there no one's there to help us, and we might even feel that way about God, right? Like, he must not understand me because why isn't he doing something about it? But you see, this is why, precisely why I believe that, that the Bible is full of all these truthful stories of people who hurt just like us. This is one of the reasons why, at least I think we get stories like, uh, of people like Joseph, right, who was, who was thrown into a pit by his brothers and then sold as a slave, so that any of us who have been rejected by our families know, hey, I'm, I'm not alone. There's at least someone who gets me. This is why we have stories of people like, like Naomi, who, who lost her sons, people like Ruth, who lost her, her husband, so that any of us who grieve and mourn the loss of people we love would know that there's someone else who's just like us. This is, this is why we have stories of people like Moses, who never got to enter the promised land that he was waiting around so long to get into, so that any of us who have had failed dreams would know that we're not alone. This is why we have stories of people like, like Bartimaeus who was born blind and, and Paul who was persecuted and Stephen who was martyred and Job who suffered just throughout the whole gamut of it all. This is why we have the story, the true story of Jesus rejected by his family, betrayed by his disciples, denied by one of his closest friends, mocked and ridiculed for, for loving too much thrown up on a cross for crimes he never committed, descended into a hell, a place he never deserved to go. You see, in God, in the person of God's Son, Jesus, we see that we have a Savior, a mighty Lord, who understands us, who gets our hurt and our suffering, who, who hurts right alongside of us, who cries when we cry and mourns when we mourn. And so we rejoice. And the God 
who has compassion and sympathy and the God who has redeemed our suffering, injecting it, infusing it with divine purpose and meaning in the God who has put an end to suffering once and for all. In Jesus' name, amen.